I think in the next 10 years, blood work will be almost a requirement for everyone. And we're going to know so much more about what each individual needs from a diet, exercise, and lifestyle perspective. Hey, welcome back to the Trainers Lab podcast. My name is Ms. Bahawk, and this is the space where we like to dissect the elements of accelerated remote coaching careers. So how do certain coaches move through their career and the timeline a little bit quicker than others? Ways that we can optimize and make the best use out of our time in this journey, especially when we're starting from scratch. So these are the tools that myself and my co-host Blake wish that we had when we were starting out. And I hope you've been enjoying some of these daily styled episodes that we've been experimenting with and solo episodes. So Blake is getting to share his perspective. I'm getting to share mine. And then we come together and we, you know, blend our perspectives. And hopefully that gives you all angles and a couple different things that you can connect with. So the idea here is that we can help you a lot more closely through this podcast feed by delivering information straight here. This is Blake Scheidt. And what I wanted to go over with you is lifestyle and nutrition versus program design. That is the one of the big, it's like the chicken or the egg. And I want, they're both, ideally they're synergistic and you want them to work together. But as a coach, oftentimes we're in love with the program design. We're in love with how do we get the proper exercises and the perfect exercises and the perfect reps and sets for an individual to hit their goal. And this can be with athletes that are training for sport. This can be with just general pop. This can be with rehabilitation. But some, I asked a coach recently that I, I really respect and I DM'd him probably two weeks ago, just on top five books on program design that he would recommend. And his response to me was pretty cool. It was, I don't really like most of them. And if you can figure out how to do the things outside of the program design, like the things he, he meant, like lifestyle and nutrition and blood work and that kind of stuff, and know what's really going on in the individual, then the program, that's the best kind of program design, because then you will actually know how to train them, what their body can handle, what's most important. But also you'll actually get real lasting results and have the person flourish. So I'm going to answer that as lifestyle and nutrition are more important than program design. And that hurts to say as someone who loves to do program design, but I think this is also really important because of the future of fitness. I think in the next 10 years, blood work will be almost a requirement for everyone. And we're going to know so much more about what each individual needs from a diet, exercise, and lifestyle perspective that we won't have cookie cutter, one size fits all programs, which I know a lot of the good coaches out there, we don't do that already, but it'll be even more important because you can find quality progressive overload programs for cheap anywhere. And if someone follows them, typically they get decent results. But the reality is that people don't know what they need because they're not quite sure where their body is at in that moment. Our bodies are a wonderful, amazing organism that basically changes. And even from our cell perspective, I think it's like every 10 years, you literally are a completely new body in the sense that like you have all new cells pretty much. 
I heard that somewhere, so don't quote me on that. But something along the line, though, that your body is just constantly changing, right? And so with that, understanding that is true, we need to be thinking about where our client's at right now, right? Oftentimes in the consultation, you want to ask a client, what worked for you in the past? And they believe if I can get back to doing that diet and that exercise, it will work. And the most frustrated client is the one that tried to do the thing in the past that worked that doesn't work anymore. And the reason for that is because they're older, their body has changed, and their stress levels are different. They're environment is different probably. And those things are not going to work. Uh, a great example for even me personally, like I used to be able to just do a paleo diet and go CrossFit when I was in my twenties and lose eight to 10 pounds in a month. And I could do that whenever I wanted and it worked. Now I could maybe do that. I probably wouldn't lose quite as much weight and I would, I would feel so much crappier where that wasn't that hard for me back in the day. I had one kid I was in my 20s, I slept great, and my job security and everything was perfectly fine. I have three kids now. I'm responsible for over 60 clients, and we're single home income, and my strength level is just much higher, and I'm older. So my ability to tap into my central nervous system is much higher, but it's also much more taxing. So all that considered, there's just lots of different things. So let's get back on point. Lifestyle nutrition, more important because it'll dictate a lot of how program design goes. Ideally, these two are synergistic. Like we want program design and lifestyle nutrition to be equal and adequate friends. But my four reasons for why not is the foundation for a long-term success really depends on habits and lifestyle that match what the person's body needs for their individual life. So foundation for long-term success is number one. Number two is the impact of their body composition. If you get stronger, which everyone's seen the guy in the gym or the girl in the gym who can lift a ton of weight, but everyone wonders why they still look 40 pounds overweight. And I'm being generous because it's probably more than that for some people, but they're really strong and they may even be fairly fit because what they've trained is exercise, but they have a trashy nutritional plan and a trashy lifestyle and their body composition holds that and eventually will hurt their body in the long run. Those people are unfortunately aging their bodies in a lot of ways. And that's not because they don't have six pack abs and they don't look like a bodybuilder. I'm just saying it's because they're, they're addicted to the stress hormones. And I'm not speaking generally here, but I, the general people that are fit in that category are addicted to the stress hormone and feel very comfortable and familiar with constantly beating their body down and, and thinking that it's going to give a result. The definition of insanity is we're doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I can't think of a better example of that than what I see with a lot of people in the gym. And I'm not trying to be harsh or mean. But it is a great way to think about saying, is this actually working? And that's where we don't spend a lot of time reevaluating re our lifestyle and nutrition. We really do, if we're being honest with ourselves, me too, guilty of it right here, really do try to outwork a bad lifestyle and diet at times. Body composition matters, not because we're trying to look better, but because we're actually trying to have an adequate amount of proper weight, muscle, fat distribution for the health of the individual. Number three, health and well-being fit in the same 
same kind of category, but a little bit different because the focus isn't on how the body composition numbers fall. It's more on how the energy hormonal and stress kind of indicators are, are right? So there, where is your cortisol levels? Where are your testosterone levels, estrogen levels, progesterone? What is going on and all those things? So that's going to be key for an individual to know if their diet is working for them or not. And then number four, energy and recovery. Does the person's recovery match their intensity in the gym? I can, you can say, man, I think I'll get better results if you give me a sixth day of program design. But I would actually say I'm going down to three days right now of training, right? I walk on the other days, swim, hike, play with my kids, mow the lawn, stay active. But I go three hard days in the gym. I don't want to be in there anymore right now at this stage of my life. I want to recover, have fun when it's time to lift and then do things outside the gym. I don't want to personally, and I'm not advocating everyone has to do this, by the way. Some people love points for fitness and that's cool. You're going to have to then make your life a lot more about recovery. You're going to have to do more foam rolling and sleep and making sure your diet's extremely dialed in and all those kinds of things. You cannot get around that if you want to achieve those goals because the, the trajectory to burnout or injury is always accustomed to, with intensity is outmatching recovery at some extent, always. And I would say with that, the last one is really just for more of a general pop. So if I rehearse, we had foundation, long-term success, impact of body composition is number two. Number three was health and well-being. Number four was energy and recovery. And then the fifth one I would say was habit formation and behavior change. Because if you don't have the habits and the behavior to, to keep it off, it doesn't matter how good the program is designed as, as far as the exercise selection, you, you will ruin all those gains you made in the gym. The way the body changes is it has a stress adaptation signaled in resistance training in the gym that is a stressor. And then when the body recovers from that, it adapts and gets stronger and bigger or more toned. If you skip any of those processes, it doesn't work, right? So that's the frustrating part. There are people who will put a lot of good effort and time. It's like going out and working really hard and getting a paycheck and then spending it all versus you had a goal of saving money and you didn't put any of it away. The person who continuously puts a little bit away at a time is the person who's financially more free. So that being said, what are three really good ways in coaching practice that you can help with people's lifestyle and nutrition as a coach? This is always the hardest one. And the reason we love program design, if we're being honest, is it's, it is a simpler in the sense that it's a little bit more numbers and science and easy to distribute. And the person will more likely go follow an exercise plan than the nutritional plan. And the reason for that is there's more temptations. It's a little bit more subjective at times and, and just harder to follow because we have a lot of biological temptations, right? We smell food, we're around food. We tend to eat because we're stressed. We tend to eat because we're bored. So three keys that I've had success with are asking someone to do food journaling. You can ask them to write it down. You can put it on their program to record. You can ask them to send you food text messages. I've done that where people just take a picture of everything they're eating. This is great accountability. It's great sober 
thinking or like higher orders, not higher orders thinking, but a reality check of, oh, I didn't realize how much I was eating. Like I have to take a picture of everything I eat and consume and send it to my coach. Very simple, very easy. That's been a good one. Number two, regular check-ins and progress reviews. So people who have consistent regular check-ins with their coach and regular progress reviews, those people tend to stay on task much better and tend to see more results and then they become habits. Number three, a meal planning prep. So some people are good at this. Some people need to be pushed to do this. But if there's a good rule, if you can have your clients make 80% of their own food, they're going to be well on their way to having a healthier lifestyle. I have a lot of high-end clientele who are busy. So, you know, the meal prep service companies are sometimes a great thing here for someone that kind of is in that demographic of being very busy and just doesn't have the time. But most of the time, that's a BS response. Make time for one of the most important things in your life, food. And then last part is just similar to check-in number two, really, which is accountability. Uh, Whatever the client needs, you can ask them that for accountability. It could be just check in with me once a month. It could be make me have this assignment of sending you stuff. It could be I got to report everything by the end of the week on this one check-in that we have as a system. It could be lots of things, but ask them and then always have the rule of thumb. Could they repeat that accountability process nine out of 10 times? And if it's lower than that, then it's too difficult and they won't follow. But I hope this was helpful. I know this is a little bit controversial or at least controversial, but like a little bit more, you might disagree with me, but I have found in my coaching career and other coaches I've talked to that I've had mentor or people I've looked up to, they really believe that if you can get those things dialed in, typically the exercise program will follow suit and really accompany those things. But if you start with just exercise harder and don't have any kind of program to follow, then chances are it won't be as successful. So take that. Hopefully that's helpful. If you liked what you heard today, you can head on over and check out Trainers Lab, our website, and you can go DM us on Instagram. We'd love to reach out and answer any questions you may have. All of our links are in the description below. Have a great day and see you next time.